0: Episode 5 of the FOTIME Podcast. This time we have a guest host. We're talking about Pignology, a FOTIME giveaway, and more coming up.
1: AmateurRadio15.com presents FOTIME, the other ham radio podcast. Sponsored by Main Trading Company. Find them online at mtcradio.com. Now, here's your host, K4CDN, Kale Nelson.
0: So guys, we're on to episode number five. Thanks for tuning in. I am Kale, K4CDN, your host. Going to have a guest host this episode. You may recognize his voice in his call, KF7IJZ, or Zed as Jeremy likes to say it, from episode two. Going to be chatting with Nick, N3WG, from Pignology, about all things Pignology's technology, And I think you're going to be very, very satisfied with the episode. Going to be a lot of fun. Going to learn a lot of cool stuff. But first, let's give a shout out to our main trading company friends, Richard and Christy down in Paris, Texas, along with Tammy. And uh, they're doing a great job. They have continued the offer, the special offer that you can find listed on our website for the packaged ham deals. They've got a new ham package that includes a power supply, antenna, coax cable, and a two meter base mobile rig for a tremendously great deal. Along with that, if you are already got those bases covered, they've got an awesome deal, which I wish I could afford, on a Kenwood TS-480 power supply antenna and free shipping as well. Check out the FOTIME website at AmateurRadio15.com to get a hold of those deals. We're going to talk about a big time giveaway here coming up in a couple of minutes, so don't go anywhere. But first, let's get on to Jeremy, KF7IJZ, with Nick, November 3 Whiskey Golf. They're going to talk about Pignology. Back in a couple of minutes.
2: Thanks, Kale. Hey guys, it's Jeremy, KF7IJZ again. You know, I got my license in 2009, and as I became more aware of HF, and portable operations, I really started wondering, how can I get my iPhone involved? How can I get my iPad or an Android tablet involved? And about that same time in 2009, a man by the name of Nick Garner, N3WG, was wondering the same thing, and he went out and released an application called Hamlog. Hamlog was a portable contact logging application for the iPhone. Um, and at first it was fairly bare bones, but as time went on, he started releasing hardware and other accessories that would work with the application that would interface directly with radios to read uh, frequency information, band information, and he started selling those things along the way. He has since created a company called Pygnology at pygnology.net. Today I'd like to welcome Nick and 3WG of Pygnology to the FOTIME Radio Podcast.
3: Oh, thanks for having me. It's nice to meet you.
2: It's nice to meet you, too. So, Nick, if you don't mind, why don't you give us a little bit of an introduction?
3: As you said, I'm in 3WG. I live in California, but I have an East Coast call sign. I uh, was licensed in 99 as a tech, as KG4KFY. And uh, when I got extra in 2001, I think it was, at Dayton, I uh, I wanted a one by 2 because I was doing a lot of QRP-CW. Uh, that's where I started when I got my, uh, my general, my first HF contact was CW. And, um, and I wanted a one by two that was, uh, personal. So NWG are my initials. So, um, if we can talk N6WG into give me his call sign, then that'd be okay. <laughs> but until that happens, uh, I'm going to stick with N3WG. Uh, so I started with the app development in 2009 in August and, uh, I'd gotten a an iPhone, the original iPhone three and uh or three g when they um, released it to developers and uh and I wanted to create a logging application at the time I was doing a lot of backpacking and uh and combining backpacking with radio and I had this iPhone I wanted some sort of logging application on it so I uh, bought a book and started writing some code. I've been developing since the nineties as a hobby. It's not a professional endeavor. Uh, it's become a professional endeavor but uh, that was unintentional and uh it's still not uh not a full-time thing for me I still um I still work in networking day to day um so in 2009 I started writing Hamlog and released version 1.0 a couple months later and it was horrible uh, had a lot of problems and it was pretty much bare bones um, reviews were bad but uh, it's come around in 2011 is uh you mentioned that uh that I'm the guy who invented the pigtail. I would say that I'm the guy who took the idea from someone who came to me and said, Hey, <laughs> it'd be kind of cool if you did this. That person was WG0AT, Steve, the GOAT guy. Um, they took Hamlog to the Caribbean and when they came back I asked them how it went and they said, Yeah, it worked, but uh anytime we changed frequency or mode, we had to go in there and type that in. Um so That's where the idea came from. So I started looking at ways to interface the devices and eventually came out with that device you just showed, the pigtail, the original. And uh, it's grown from there. Uh, We now have, I keep saying we, it's me. (laughs) There's no one else uh, working on pignology, but I often say we. Um, Maybe the we in that equation is my wife because she's very uh, forgiving with the amount of time I spend on this stuff sometimes. So Kazumi, if you ever watch... Thank you. Um, so <laughs> uh, I have about 50 apps out there now. Um, a lot of them are targeted at amateur radio there's some Morse code stuff and um, and I've since gotten into a little bit of uh, web service type development with um, something called CW with me, which is kind of a, a social CW uh, application for iOS um, and then some more hardware came along and I wanted to add audio to pigtail so. The remote came out, but uh, I imagine we'll get into that. So that's uh, that's my overview. All
2: right, very good. So now you originally released a device uh, that I own called the Pigtail, which is a larger gray box. And you've since released uh, a device called the Piglet. Is that correct?
3: Yes, Piglet is sort of Pigtail V2.
2: All right, and for those who can't see, I'm, I'm holding up a, a little gray box. There's a, a DB9 connector used to connect to the radio via serial cable. There's a power switch, and if I turn the power switch on, uh, lights start blinking, you know, showing me different statuses. The Piglet itself actually, uh, you know, has all that, and instead of running off a battery, it has power pole connectors and is is actually much smaller. So you, you've identified a software package um, to to increase portability using iDevices, and you've now identified a problem of how do I get my radio to talk to this application. So why don't you tell us a little bit how you set out to try to solve that problem?
3: Well, it was a tough problem to solve, and I did it wrong several times before I got to Pigtail. Um, Have you ever heard of the Made for iPod program from Apple?
2: Yeah, that's the uh, exorbitantly high tax that Apple charges you if you want to connect hardware to any of their iDevices, correct?
3: Right. So i that's where I started. I went out and I got a lawyer, and I got licensed by Apple to make hardware that will actually plug into. At the time, it was the 30-pin connector on the bottom of iPhones and iPads. And I got it working with a development kit from Microchip where um, I was actually wired in serial. There's a UART in that connector in the 30 pin connector. And um, uh, UART is basically a serial port. And uh, I was able to send data from just a a sample test application out to the radio and back. And um, when I started actually digging into the amount of money it would cost to actually produce an MFI branded product to do this, I would have been um, either making zero profit on it, which means I couldn't continue development um, or, um, it would have had to be very popular <laughs> so that I could generate uh, or create, you know, a 1,000 of them or 10,000 of them uh, with the very first run. So it was kind of unmanageable. So then I looked at Wi-Fi. Oh, I'm sorry, Bluetooth. Bluetooth for serial data is also MFI controlled. Um, so I had the same problem there. But I did get that working as well. Um, the, a company called Roving Networks, which makes the Wi-Fi module that's in Pigtail and Piglet, they also have a Bluetooth module that uh, is MFI certified. So I, I got their development kit and made that work. And uh, there was one day I was on the phone with one of the engineers at Roving Networks. They invited me down after I explained to them what I was trying to do. And they sat me down in a room and said, yeah, don't do it that way. Um, take a look at this Wi-Fi chip. So uh, there's no licensing requirements there. It's uh, it's a pretty standard method of communicating. So that means I could talk to Android, Mac, Windows, whatever. And uh, and that's why I went with Wi-Fi.
2: You know, there are actually several inexpensive uh, automotive onboard diagnostic, um, basically Wi-Fi to serial bridge type devices that that do the same thing to get around the, the really expensive Apple requirements. You know, also, um, I've used my pigtail before as a way of accessing uh, the the serial consoles on Cisco routers uh, at work because it's basically a Wi-Fi to serial bridge.
3: Yeah, that was uh, sort of a byproduct. I keep one with me. I touch routers pretty much every day, so um, so having it there quickly to plug in is, is helpful. And one thing that uh, was a requirement of mine for the device was that it was dumb in that its only job should be to take data from one side and send it out the other and vice versa. Uh, so there's no... It, there is intelligence in it. However, the uh, functionality that I'm using is just a dumb bridge to get the data between the two. And then functionality goes into the software, which makes it a lot easier to do updates and things like that.
2: You know, and a lot of the uh, the, the core functionality that you have is really tightly coupled on the software side. I mean, all the, the really cool things are in Hamlog. And uh, basically, your, your box acts as a kind of a virtual cable between your smart device and the radio.
3: Yes, so it's wireless via Wi-Fi from your device to Piglet, and then it's wired in serial, Um, whatever type of radio you have. You need to have the particular cable. So if it's a Yaesu, then that's a CT62 cable. Um, So that's the basic connectivity. The the app will send the serial commands based on the radio type to query the radio every 750 milliseconds or so, and then it will receive the responses back from the radio, parse them, and show it on the screen. And uh, frequency and mode is the the basic information that I get from all radios. And then radio specific, I will ask for certain things. I would say the most full featured today is Elecraft, um wherein I actually replicate the full face of a KX3 or a K3 and a K3 on an iPad. So you can actually touch every button on your iPad. And when you do, it'll send the particular serial command to emulate that button press on the wireless K3.
2: So other than the, the Elecraft KX3 and the K3, what other radios, uh, does your hardware support? What, what other, um, what other brands or what other specific models do you, you provide full or, or strong functionality for?
3: So Elecraft, Yaesu, ICOM, and Kenwood are the manufacturers I have in there. And then it's particular radios from those manufacturers and, um, the very first release of this um, with Pigtail and the first version of Hamlock which I think was 4.0 which supported Pigtail I only had the manufacturers in there I didn't have radio types and I found out very quickly actually on the first day that it was released that that wouldn't work um, because uh, a button press on a K3 is not the same command as the button press on the KX3 for example Um, so from that point I had to break it down to particular radios usually within a manufacturer, they will have the same commands consistently. Like the ICOM-CI5 protocol is very consistent, um, radio over radio. And, uh, you know, going back to the 80s, it's it's always just been added to and never subtracted from. Um, and then, for example, Yesu went from their 5-byte CAT control protocol to adopting a protocol that's similar to Kenwood, uh, which is the same one that Elecraft adopted. So we have three of the four, Um, main manufacturers in my opinion um, using a similar protocol and if we can just get ICOM to jump on board that'd be awesome and make everyone's job easier as far as developers Um, but yeah those four manufacturers and then radios from those manufacturers particular radios
2: so at this point I have Hamlog on my iPad or my Android tablet I have a Pignology device like the Pigtail or the Piglet to uh, interface my radio Um, I have the manufacturer's uh, serial cable running from the Pygnology device uh, to the radio uh, or the interface. Now, speaking of interfaces, uh, you guys have an interface you've built uh, for supporting ICOM radios with the CI5 protocol. Is that correct?
3: Yes. So the ICOM CT17 box is a $130 box that basically takes RS-232 and makes it uh, TTL logic levels. And, um, if you look at the schematic or open the box up, you know, there's $5 worth of parts in there and, you know, a metal enclosure. So, uh, and it also requires external power. And I didn't like that about the box. I did buy one just so that I could support it. Um, But I wanted something that was very small and could be powered by the pigtail or piglet itself. So uh, there's a switch inside the piglet that will apply 3.3 volts to pin four which is one of the um, hardware flow control lines that, um, according to rs 232 specification, is allowed. If you were to measure the voltage on a serial port on that pin, you would have um, somewhere around 5 or 12 volts. Um, So I'm using that pin for basically flea power to power a level shifter on the CT-17 board, which plugs into Piglet. And then on the other end of that little CT17 board is a mono audio audio jack, which would plug into the CI5 jack on ICOM radios.
2: Okay, so I've now got my software, my tablet. I've got the box, it's interface my radio, but how do I power the box?
3: Uh which one? Piglet? That has uh that has Anderson power poles on it, which I've uh I've gotten some complaints about <laughs> and I've also gotten some comments about or compliments about, um, I am a big fan of power poles. I like them. I think they're very convenient. Um, a lot of people would say that it's a, uh, it's a little bit of, uh, over engineering for that power connector and piglet, um, because it, it takes up so much real estate on the end of the box. Um, but, uh, I like it. Um, also, I think those, those particular connectors are rated for 15 amps, and it's running about 40 milliamps, so it's, uh, it's a little overdone, but it, I think it's convenient.
2: Well, I, I know that uh, a lot of our listeners are big fans of, of power poles, and uh, I think generally we, while they're not an official standard, they're, they're pretty close to being uh, widely adopted, we'll say, uh, across the, the uh, amateur community.
0: Main Trading Company, this is Tammy. Hi everyone, I'm just one of the folks that you can call at Main Trading Company for all your ham radio needs. We've got a great variety from Kenwood, ICOM, and Alinko. Plus, don't forget the used gear. If you don't see what you're looking for on our website, just give us a call. We may have it in the store. We're a mom-and-pop store, and we want to earn your business. Check out our website at www.mtcradio.com or just give us a call, 903-737-0773. Yeah, that's Tammy. You'll find her when you call in to the fine folks down at mtcradio.com to place your order for some great gear. Speaking of great gear, we're uh, we're rapidly approaching 4,000 downloads here, guys, and I have to say a great monster thank you to all of you who have taken time to uh, participate here in the podcast. We're going to get right back to Jeremy and Nick in just a moment, but I just want to whet your appetite for a moment. If you'll go to the website, amateurradio15.com, you'll see a subscription link there. Toss your name, your email address in it, and immediately you are entered, no purchase necessary, for a pretty nice giveaway coming up, episode seven. So uh, go ahead and get it done now. Get registered. All you have to do is register once. I'm not going to fill your email box slam full of spam, but I want to give someone a pretty nice gift, compliments of Maine Trading Company, as we approach episode seven. So guys, get it done. Now let's go ahead and get back to Jeremy and Nick. They're chatting about Pygnology. Thanks guys.
2: Folks, this is Jeremy, KF7IJZ here with Nick Garner, N3WG from Pygnology.net, P-I-G-N-O-L-O-G-Y.net, maker of software and devices for interfacing our amateur radios with our smart devices such as Android and iPhone. We're talking portable operation and how Nick got into creating this wonderful equipment for amateurs on the FOTIME radio podcast. So we've talked about Piglet and its ability to link my radio to an iDevice or an Android device. So Nick, tell us, uh, tell us which, which platform, be it iOS or Android, do you enjoy using more? And tell us which platform do you enjoy developing for more?
3: Uh, so it's actually different between the two. I use an Android device. Uh, just because I like the the freedom and the functionality. What I don't like, which comes with that freedom, is the um, bugginess of the platform. It seems like um, every Android phone you have, it seems like there's one quirk that annoys you. For example, my uh, this I use a Galaxy S4. This particular phone, um, the screen will go black if I answer a phone call, and I cannot wake it up until the other person hangs up. So... Um, That's one example. Uh, So I use an Android, um, but I prefer to develop for iOS. Um, Developing for Android, because it's so open and there are so many possible hardware devices out there, it leads to a lot of different caveats with things like screen resolutions as well as hardware support. Like if I say in my app that I require GPS and the device, say it's a Kindle from Amazon, doesn't have GPS, then the app won't work. Um... In the uh, the Google Developer Console, it, it lists about 4,000 Android devices that are actually registered um, with Google uh, manufacturers to create devices and device types. And um, so that's 4,000 different devices that your app should work on. And uh, it can become kind of annoying. Um, all the different screen resolutions, again, are are really hard to to get them all into one app because you have to create different user interfaces for each one. Um, creating user interfaces for android is also ugly um it's getting better though but uh back when i started on android a couple of years ago it uh it's all xml and you have to uh have to lay things out in xml um now it's getting to the point where you can drag and drop user controls and and link functions to button clicks and things like that but um it's still kludgy in my opinion there is a uh a new tool from Google coming out. I think it's called Android Developer Studio. I've never tried it, but um, I hear it's pretty good. Uh, for our iOS development, that's all Xcode on Mac, so you have to have a Mac. Um, I've been a Mac user since I think 2006, when the black MacBook came out. I got one of those, and I've been using them ever since. Um, so, long story short, develop on iOS and use Android.
2: So. Are there any functional differences between the iOS version of your software and the Android version of your software? I mean, are there there any features that are different or any capabilities that are different between the two platforms?
3: Yes. Um, So because Android is so open, it gives me the ability to add in wired serial. So you can actually use a um, a USB host adapter cable. Um, So you can get those from Amazon for two or three bucks. And you can plug in a USB serial adapter Um, like um, FTDI or Prolific, and actually talk to your radio that way. So it's a very low-cost way to do rig control from an Android device. Uh, You could get up and running for um, $5 for that little cable and then the USB adapter. Um, So it'd be pretty cheap. Uh, I also have Bluetooth serial port profile in there in Android. So I don't sell a Bluetooth Piglet that is SPP, uh, Bluetooth SPP. Um, but, and the reason I don't is because there's so many options out there for those things so um if it supports if your little module that you get on eBay or Spark Fun or whatever supports Bluetooth SPP, then it should work with Hamlog
2: so before we move on to Bluetooth, I, I want to talk about uh, folks who have Android devices that want to connect their radios to those devices for control. Uh, through the Hamlog application, can go to Amazon and search for something called an on-the-go cable. An on-the-go cable is a fairly inexpensive little interface cable uh, that plugs into your Android device with the appropriate connector on one side, and then gives you um, a USB-A type connector uh, on the other. And this allows you to interface USB devices with the radio. De- or, I'm sorry, with the Android device directly. Now let's go back to Bluetooth because I know you've been working on some things with Bluetooth around the iOS side um, for iPhone and iPad. And, of course, the challenge with Bluetooth on Apple devices is Apple does not natively support the Bluetooth serial profile, which is a way of sending serial data over Bluetooth. So talk to us a little bit about that.
3: So um, uh, late last year, late 2013, a gentleman named Mike Murphy came to me and said, have you seen the work that the RF Duino guys are doing? Uh, they put up a Kickstarter and what they did was they put a Bluetooth low energy chip from Nordic into a very small package and then they put an Arduino bootloader on it. Um, so, and, um, Apple doesn't have any licensing restrictions for Bluetooth low energy. So you can actually send data very slowly using Bluetooth low energy and, uh, And what that frees you up to do is use 3G, 4G internet connectivity if you're outside of Wi-Fi. So um, a Piglet out of the box creates a wireless network that you join. And um, and when you do that from an iPhone, you lose 3G, 4G connectivity. There is a workaround for that um, where you can put the Piglet into ad hoc uh, wireless mode. And then you can still talk to both. However, it's... uh, you have to do some config. With Bluetooth Low Energy, you can talk Bluetooth on one side and still get 3G 4G. Um, it's very easy, and uh, there's no licensing restrictions to it. So I, I got one of these development kits from RFduino, and um, I did some testing on the breadboard, and it, it worked easily. Uh, so I made a Bluetooth Low Energy Piglet. I have a picture of it up on the blog, which is blog.pignology.net, and I gave a talk about it at Dayton this year. And, um, I, on a side note, I also did a talk last year at Dayton about the journey that, uh, from idea to product for piglet. Uh, it also talks about how to do it yourself. If you wanted to make a piglet yourself, there's information in there. I I recorded that after the show and put it on YouTube. I'm going to record this Bluetooth low energy talk and put that on YouTube as well. So if, uh, If later on you want to watch it, it'll be up there uh, at some point. Um, So I made this Bluetooth Low Energy Piglet, and it fits into the same enclosure as the Piglet, and um, another added feature is it has an onboard battery. So because it's uh, quote-unquote low energy, I can power it from a coin cell. So I have a a 3-volt CR2032 in there, and it actually all fits uh, with the little module and the serial um, level shifting and whatnot. So uh, I, I haven't decided to actually manufacture the thing yet. Um, I'm waiting for more universal device support. So BLE has been around for several years. However, um, hardware support hasn't been. I think it was, um, the iPhone 4 was the first device, first manufacturer, first device to actually support it. And I think iOS 5 or 6. Uh, added support for it. Uh, So if I were to go only BLE, then that would lock some users out. Um, They wouldn't be able to use it. So uh, also Android, it requires version 4, which means it has to be a newer device. So I'm I'm waiting a little bit for that. But I have it working. And it's actually um, in Hamlog today. If you download Hamlog today from the App Store, the Bluetooth low energy functionality is in the app. Um, but it's hidden. So if you wanted to do do it yourself, if you want to go to Arduino and get the little development kit and put something together, um, I can send out the code that actually goes in the uh, the RFduino module and tell you how to unlock that functionality within Hamlog.
2: Yeah, I think that'd be great. We have uh, several listeners, I think, that would be interested in, in potentially tinkering with that. If I get a vote, I would... Uh... Go ahead and tell you that I, I definitely would love to see a Bluetooth low energy um, piglet if for no other reason than uh, you know basically being able to get my my radio control and data exchange uh, back and forth, but also so I could still connect to the Internet and download the, the remainder of the contact details through QRZ or, or something. just just saves a step uh, that I, I wouldn't have to go through when I get home uh, from the field.
3: Oh, I hear you. yeah I'm, uh, I'm in the same boat. I think it's kind of annoying. <laughs> the, uh, the the original Pigtail shipped as ad hoc, um, and with iOS it works great because you can do ad hoc Wi-Fi and still talk to the Internet over the cellular. Um, I switched it to the soft access point to support Android. So there's another hit for Android. Uh, they forced me to have a universal device, but uh, it, the Piglet can be reconfigured to, to do the ad hoc thing it just takes a little bit of effort because you actually have to um get a null modem adapter and and run some commands in a terminal.
2: You know, I I think this is a kind of a good segue cuz I mean we've we've talked about um how you you discovered a need in the market, you you picked up a book and uh you know, with having a technical background and a good hand background, you've you've trained yourself on on how to write programs for uh, iPhone and Android and and you've um, you know, gotten into a little bit of electrical engineering and building your own device, or designing and building your own devices and having them built. But let, let's talk about uh, what you like to do as an actual operator. Tell us, um, tell us how your operations go. Do you operate QRP, QRO? Do you operate from home? Do you operate portably? Um, when you actually get to play radio, how how do you play radio? Well,
3: I don't get to operate anymore. I <laughs> I work on technology, and I have a one year old and a three year old. So I hardly ever get a talk on the radio, but, um, so right now I'm sitting in a hotel room in Chicago, um, out here for some training and, uh, I can show you what I brought with me. Um, the answer is QRP always, forever. Um, I'm a big fan of, uh, of ground plane antennas using jack height telescoping poles. So I have a 31 foot jack height pole that I'll, I'll bring out and, um, and put a 20-meter a ground plane on. So it's a pretty big ground plane. Um, so uh, I have no window to open, but when I checked in, I said, "Give me on the highest floor possible. Uh, turns out the windows don't open up here. So, um, so they have a, an 11-story parking garage next door. So I went up on the roof of that last night, and um, I wanted to experiment with this new radio that I got uh, about a month ago. This is the, uh, X1M. It's from, uh, it's a Chinese manufacturer. It's a very small radio, but it's a HF upper lower sideband and CW only five Watts. And, uh, and it works. It, uh, I put it side by side with the KX3, um, the day before I left to Chicago, I went to a friend's house who had a, an antenna or has an antenna. I don't have one at home. And, uh, and we we just moved the antenna back and forth and it's the receive audio was, was perfect. It was just like the KX3. Um, and at some points, some points it was a little bit quieter, believe it or not. Um, but it is, it is absolutely a Chinese radio. Um, for example, if you look at the, uh, the spelling of headphone there, headhapone, (laughs) um, this company, I think it's, uh, XIEGU ZIEGU maybe um technology they put this radio out and i think they they put this out to fund the next radio the one they actually wanted to build um because they're coming out with one it's called an X108 that uh looks very interesting but uh the price has gone up quite a bit this is a $300 radio and it's it's very small
2: so um how many bands is that
3: um it's it's uh so it'll go from very low to around 30 megahertz as far as receive. But um, transmission, I believe it's 80, 40, 30, 20, 15, and 10. Uh, I tried 17 last night and it didn't let me transmit. Um, so those bands. And they advertise it as 5 watts, but it's it depends on which band you're on. Um, going back to what I was about to say a moment ago, um, the radio that um, it looks really interesting to me is the FX4 from Par Infeds. The uh, it's very small. It's like uh, a deck of cards, and it's uh, it's just sideband and CW, um, but all bands, all HF bands. Um, that I think, coupled with just a, uh, I'll say a Par fed antenna, which supposedly requires no radials and uh no counterpoise um i think would be a very compact kit to uh to throw in a bag um that radio i just showed you i carry around in this little bag here and that's got battery and antenna and everything else a cw key and whatnot so um yep qrp portable all the time
2: so, you mentioned uh, having a CW key and operating a CW, but uh, do you do any uh, QRP phone work?
3: Yeah. Yeah, I, um, I do. Uh, it's 50-50.
2: What about digital modes? Any uh, PSK31 or RIDI or Whisper?
3: I used to. Uh, I'd like to, to get into it more. Um, when I was um, originally licensed for General, um, the first radio I bought was an Elecraft K2, and it came in the mail on a Wednesday, and I was taking the code test on Saturday, so I didn't open the box from Elecraft, it sat in the corner while I studied for the code test, Uh, I took that on Saturday and passed, and um, I went home and immediately started building the radio, uh, which is a, you know, it's it's a real kit, you know, it's, uh, nothing is, is assembled for you. And um, I put that together, and I made my first contact with CW on Wednesday. So I I did about eight hours a day on the kit um, after work on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. And then I made my first contact to Texas from Virginia with that. Um, So I stuck with CW for quite a while. Um, And then I eventually got into sideband, and CW um, sort of went by the wayside for a little bit. And then I found out about PSK31. I did a lot of PSK31 around 2000, 2001, um, but I haven't done much since. And something I want to get added into Hamlog is a waterfall. And um, I imagine that once I do that, I'll start doing it more.
2: Well, that would be really cool. It's uh, you know one less application I have to run, and it would be nice to have uh, the PSK thirty one or other digital modes integrated directly with the the portable logging application I have. So uh, I I consider that another vote for that to be a, a really great feature. You know, and and speaking of features, Ham Hamlog has really. It's really more than just a logging application. One thing that I think you've done a really, really good job at is you're constantly adding new features and new functionality. Everything from um, you know integrating with uh, things like QRZ uh for data lookup or other databases, to just uh, keeping band plans and simple things. Um, you know, you've you've really done a lot of really good work to add value, add tools that are useful for the ham and ham log. Really, is kind of turned into a Swiss Army knife for me when operating portably. Um, actually, I was just looking through there before uh, before meeting with you today, and I noticed that you now have um a tab in there for ham radio podcast, which I hope to see time added to soon. Absolutely. So back when you did have more time to operate portably, what what was your favorite thing about uh, portable ham radio?
3: Oh, it's funny. Um, So in 2009, when all this started, me and a group of guys would get together on Saturdays and go to parks and the beach and various locations around San Francisco Bay Area. And we would just set up antennas and talk on the radio. And um, we talked on the radio for maybe... 10 or 15 minutes and then we sat around eating sandwiches and talking to each other. So it's, uh, I would say camaraderie, you know, um, it was a big part of it. Um, when I do operate by myself portable, um, and that's usually only when backpacking, um, then it's, it's the excitement of actually talking to someone on such small equipment. Um, you know, I still get excited making CW contacts, you know, it's a, it's a little rush of adrenaline. And uh, I
2: think that's a lot of fun. Well, that's very cool. Folks, this is Jeremy, KF7IJZ with the FOTIME Podcast. And here I am today with Nick Garner, N3WG from Pignology.net. That's P-I-G-N-O-L-O-G-Y.net. We're talking about portable operations using Android devices and iOS devices to interface with our radios in the field. And things we like about operating portably. Now, Nick, you mentioned that uh, to learn programming that you kind of uh, just picked up some books and and started doing research. But what about on the electronic side? What did you do um, to start actually creating uh, little gadgets, you know, the things like the piglet and the pigtail? So how did you get involved in starting to design and and build your own hardware? And, and, you know, how did you start playing around with uh, microcontrollers and learn what you did?
3: Uh, It was out of necessity. So um, when I started on Pigtail, I went to one of the local hacker mingling places. There's a place called Hacker Dojo in Mountain View where you can go and and pay a monthly fee and you get access to the building. And they have a bunch of test equipment and people working on all kinds of cool stuff. So I went into that place and I posted a one ad basically saying I need a hardware engineer to help me out with a project because I had no experience with it. And I also went to the Tech Shop in San Jose, which is a similar thing. And um, someone from Tech Shop came back in uh, in a couple of weeks and said, "Hey, I think I can help you out with this." And we worked out some some terms, and he started to work on it. And this was actually under MFI. And uh, there was a period there where I didn't hear from him for about six weeks. And after you know two weeks into that period where he was non-responsive. I said, you know what? I I bet I could do this myself. So I went and downloaded Eagle, and uh, and just figured out how to lay out a board, and um, and I actually made a prototype before he got back to me. Um, he did end up completing the work, but it was uh, for nothing. But um, so that's how I got into the the hardware design part of it. I would say um, if you take a development kit and you get the schematic for that development kit and then you go get Eagle and the development kits usually you can't put into something, but it's a excellent starting point to um to manipulate the design for what you want it to do. And that's pretty much um what I did with Pigtail. I got a the development kit for that Wi Fi module that's in there. And um actually, a little known secret. the very first demonstration video for Pigtail, where I had that um, trapezoid enclosure, inside that box was the development kit. There was no prototype in there. Um, so <laughs> it's my dirty little secret and uh, so i I took their their concept and their circuit design and just manipulated it to what I wanted it to be. in order to do that, I had to recreate the whole thing, of course in Eagle um but that uh that's how I got started with the hardware design i've since uh I'm in eagle at least once a week now um working on various projects the uh technology is has actually spawned some work with some startups in silicon valley um doing hardware and software so um to answer the other half of your question about microcontrollers um that was also pretty much out of necessity um When I started on Pigtail, I had made a version on a breadboard that used a microchip PIC microcontroller. And that was just, you know, hacking at it until it worked. The PIC microcontrollers are very non-intuitive, in my opinion. Um, But you can get them to work, and they work very well, and they work forever. Um, So I had this Pigtail that was working with a microchip PIC. I eventually ended up not using it, but I learned quite a bit on figuring out how to do that. And um, when I made the knob, which is just a, a remote tuning knob, it's, um, that runs on a microchip pick. And that was my first actual product that I manufactured using a microchip pick. And then BeagleBone came around, and I stuck that in a remote box and, and made that motherboard. So um, I do quite a bit w- with, um, with electronics design now, and, and I actually enjoy laying out circuit boards quite a bit. And and making things that work—that's a lot of fun.
2: You know, you mentioned some of your other products. Um, you know, your remote access products and uh, the knob, the pig knob controller. So, um, kind of talk to us a little bit about uh, some of the other products you have beyond uh, piglet for rig control and the uh, and the hamlog application. You know, talk to us a little bit about um, the remote access and ro- remote control type things that you have.
3: Yeah. So. Um The very first day I sold Pigtail, which was at the Visalia DX convention in 2012. So that very first day, somebody said, where's the audio? And that that got me thinking about what I need to do to get audio streaming into the device. Because if you have TCP IP enabled serial data and you have network enabled audio, you can remote. And you can remote without requiring a hardware type device on your end. Um, for example, with Remote Rig, you have these two boxes, one at home, one with you, and and they manage that communication. So what I wanted to do was make something that was just software with you um, running on some sort of tablet or Mac or Windows or whatever, and then have a little box that sits at home that basically acts like a computer and does that bridging of audio bi-directionally as well as the serial data. And um, the the journey to get to that product was another one of many pitfalls uh, where I looked at several different things to make it work. Um, and I started with Microchip Pick, where I was actually going to put the IP stack from Microchip into a pick, use their um, Speaks audio codec, and sample the audio, compress it, put it in a packet, send it over the network. And that was very complicated. It's a lot of work um, to start um even from the libraries that they offer. There's still a lot of things to get working. And, um, and eventually what I said was this would be a great task for an embedded Linux device. Uh, so I looked at the Raspberry Pi, of course, and um, I didn't like the form factor of it. I needed something that uh, could be put into an enclosure. Uh, so I found the BeagleBone, uh, the original white one. And I basically built a remoting platform around it. I made a, uh, a little audio codec daughter card, basically, as well as a motherboard. So on the motherboard, you put the BeagleBone and the audio codec, and then there's the serial uh, circuitry. And uh, that Linux system running on the BeagleBone handles all the uh, the communication back and forth. And that gives me the ability to just write and see and, and run it. And I don't have to worry about any of that other... Low-level stuff.
2: Now, if I'm not mistaken, I I remember shortly after you started announcing um, the remote control capabilities, you had uh, a service that would handle the audio portion. Is that correct?
3: I did have something called Etherpig at one point. I've since shut it off. um, Where you could run some software on a computer at home, you know, an actual computer, and um, and plug in the audio and the serial. And it would do um, voice over IP back and forth and, and that serial connection. Um, I, I turned it off because nobody was using it. And uh, well, there was one guy in Australia who was pretty upset that I turned it off, but um, it was just a, it was a monthly expense that I didn't really want to maintain. So, um, but yeah, I did have that functionality. And um, that leads me to another point. One of the requirements that I had for this remote product was I didn't want to use any third party audio capability. I didn't want to use Skype. Um, I, I've actually seen some products on the market that are advertised as remoting, but they require Skype. And I, I didn't like that idea whatsoever. So um, so I'm doing point-to-point audio with, uh, with a voice over IP library. So it actually makes a phone call. When you hit the connect button, it, it calls the pig remote.
2: So I'm assuming that's using uh, some kind of like standard uh voice over IP framework?
3: Um so I'm using yeah it is SIP for call control and the uh the audio is compressed with speaks.
2: So assuming I uh I have a really nice station at home with a uh, a wonderful antenna and tower and I want to be able to access that from anywhere in the world. I just set this up on the home side. And then uh, when I'm out and about and I uh, want to access my station, I can just whip out uh, my smartphone and go to town operating, right?
3: Yeah. Yeah. As long as you have internet access, you can get to it. We have a video of a guy named George, excuse me, KJ6VU in China. And he was using his radio at home in San Jose. Um for demos, we have, there's a contest station in New Hampshire. It's W1GQ. Uh, he's a good friend of mine. His name's Bruce, and he has one of these devices, and uh, and I demo on his um, stacked twenty meter yagis, and uh, and that's a lot of fun to to work the world from New Hampshire from California. So,
2: well, very cool, very cool indeed. Well, Nick, thank you very much um, for taking the time to be here with us uh, i know you have a very busy schedule and folks i am speaking with nick garner n3wg from pignology.net the maker of the Hamlog logging application for smartphones as well as the piglet um, wi-fi to serial bridge for remote rig control this is kf7ijz on the FoTime time podcast uh, now nick i don't know exactly when this is going to air but i'll let you know that um you know, as part of my 100% lightweight solar uh, field day setup, which is coming up here this weekend, um, I will actually be relying on my old pigtail to provide uh, remote rig control and uh, and and interaction with my iPad for logging on this trip. But uh, I also want to thank you for being out there innovating uh, in amateur radio. There aren't a lot of people that are out there trying to integrate modern, truly modern technology um, with our radios, and it's nice to see that you have. Uh, have continued to wow and amaze us for only you know, four years with innovative and cool products. So thank you again very much for being here.
3: Would you mind if I touch on a couple things you just said? Do we have a minute?
2: Oh, of, of course. We have all the time that you <laughs> want. I'm just, I'm just trying to be respectful of your time. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, please continue.
3: Okay, thank you. Um, so you mentioned logging with Field Day. Um, so inside Hamlog, there's a Field Day logging tool, right? Um, that does support Piglet as well. Um, it also has a field day server functionality built into it. And um, last year at the field day that I usually attend in San Jose, uh, we did an all-tablet field day. And we used this, uh, this field day server running on Mac to, to do the synchronization of contacts between the different tablets. This year, um, I've ported that field day server code to the BeagleBone. So we actually have um, we have a little... Uh, wireless router that has a USB port on it that's powering the BeagleBone, uh, which boots up and starts the field day server. And then the tablets connect to the wireless access point, which is powering the BeagleBone, and they just start logging contacts, and it synchronizes everything. Um, So I'm going to be, unfortunately, because of this trip, I'm going to be not there um, for this field day, but uh, I'm sure they'll take a lot of pictures, and I'll put them up on the website. The other thing I wanted to mention that was not related to anything you just said, but it's going back to the PSK conversation. Um, you're familiar with ISDR?
2: Yeah, that's the uh, iPhone or iPad application that can take a radio's IQ signal in and uh, basically give you, uh, you know, a spectrum waterfall. Correct?
3: Right. Um, he will have piglet support, pigtail support in that app very soon.
2: Oh wow, that's really cool.
3: So you can, so you can click the screen and QSY.
2: Well, I I think that uh, as radios continue to get more and more modern, that's going to be uh, kind of a a baseline feature, right, is is seeing the waterfall. Now, granted, I am one of those newfangled no-code hams, and uh, some (laughs) people might consider me to be uh, a little progressive when it comes to radio design. But I am actually trying to learn CW on my own right now.
3: I have an app for that. (laughs)
2: Well, that's not too surprising. Uh, Yeah, I I noticed that you have... um, that you had an app out there called uh, CW with me that looked kind of interesting possibly as a way to uh, practice and get to know the code better.
3: Yeah, I actually wouldn't use that to learn Morse code. <laughs> um, I think it's more about um, practicing once you know it. Uh, I have a Koch, coach, coach, trainer application out there as well. Um, I, I think that a lot of people use that for, for studying um, and learning the code and it'll it'll build up letter by letter.
2: Awesome. So before we go, is there anything else new and exciting on the Pignology front that you want to share with our listeners?
3: Uh, PigPad. Have you heard of that? Oh. <laughs> uh, so when I released the knob, um, again, on that first day, I had people come and email me and say, yeah, that's great, but what I really want is a bunch of buttons that I can program. Uh, so the knob has eight programmable buttons on it. When you tap them, it'll send a serial command. Um, so I started working on a a board that was just a, a, a matrix of switches and a microcontroller to, to handle the whole thing. And it became really cumbersome because switches are expensive and, um, I would need an enclosure and everything had to fit well. Um, so one day in the shower, I had this light bulb go off that, um, why don't you use a off the shelf USB numeric keypad and, uh. And anytime a user presses one of those buttons, it sends their programmed macro. Um, so what I've put together is a little box that has a an ARM processor in it, and um, and then the serial circuitry. It also has a speaker, uh, so it does CW feedback as you as you operate. It also does direct frequency entry. So you can, um, like, if you tap the enter key, it'll go into DFE mode, and you can type in, you know, one four two five zero enter, and it'll QSY. Um, so that's hopefully coming up soon. I haven't pulled the trigger on that either, but um, but I have it working and uh, I have a prototype on the way.
2: Very good. So uh, what are the odds that sometime in the next five years you're going to go full bore and uh, start developing your own portable um, DSP-based uh, QRP transceiver?
3: <laughs> the thoughts crossed my mind. I um, I would really like to make a very small black box that is... Smartphone controlled. Uh, I think that would be a lot of fun.
2: Okay, so that actually uh, inspired a question. Given the, uh, the current state-of-the-art in consumer electronics and mass media electronics, um, as well as ham radio technology and uh, the latest in SDR technology, what, what gizmo or widget do you think is missing from the marketplace that, that could really uh, you know be a game-changer for amateur radio?
3: Wow. I have no idea. I don't know. (laughs) Um, I mean, when you're talking about SDR, um, some sort of portable pan adapter would be awesome, but then Helicraft just announced theirs. Um, So they're very far ahead of the game on that one. Um, I I honestly don't know what's missing, but if you have any ideas, let me know.
2: Oh, we'll we'll make sure to do that. The website, folks, is pignology.net, P-I-G. N-O-L-O-G-Y.net, makers of fine amateur radio, mobile applications, and hardware for interfacing your radio with your mobile smart device. This is Jeremy KF7IJZ for the Time Radio Podcast, and with me again is the founder and operator of Pignology, Nick Garner, N3WG. Nick, I uh, really appreciated you stopping by, and uh, let us know if you have any uh, you know, cool things in the pipeline you want to come back and talk about, because we'd uh, certainly love to have you back again.
3: And thank you very much. This has been a lot of fun.
2: All right, back to you, Kale. This is KF7IJZ.
0: Well, thanks, Jeremy. Thank you, Nick. If you guys are interested in more of what Jeremy's got going on, you can find him on YouTube. His channel page is his call sign, KF7IJZ. Nick November 3 Whiskey Golf thanks again for being with us for bringing your pignology product to the FoTime listeners and not only that guys Nick also brings you a coupon code good for the rest of this year the code is F O T I M E 2014 FoTime 2014 if you can't remember it you're driving right now or well, you can find it online at the amateurradio15.com website in the show notes but Nick Thank you very much for doing that for the listeners. We appreciate you being on the show and hope to have you back soon. Don't forget MTC Radio and their packaged ham deals. We've got the giveaway coming up, so make sure you sign up to be a part of the free giveaway, compliments of our friends at MTC. With the newsletter, sign up on the AmateurRadio15.com website. And give us a call at 206-415-3809, 206-415-3809. It's the FOTIME phone line can't wait to hear from you this week thank you guys for listening god bless
1: thanks for downloading listening and subscribing to amateur radio 15.com presents bow time the other ham radio podcast you can find our past episodes web links and more at amateur radio 15.com that's amateur radio one Follow us on Twitter at Bowtime Podcast, and remember to visit our show sponsor, Main Trading Company at MTCRadio.com. Till next time, seventy three.